Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. How about that? You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. It's time for another edition of the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Episode 49, the Ron Guidry edition. Today, we have Alex Chamberlain, 2018 FSWA Writer of the Year. You may know him from his pitching leaderboards and for not wearing a shirt. That's right, he's here with your host, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier. They're going to talk about J.A. Happ, Jose Quintana, Michael Brantley, is he in Toronto? Is he in Houston? Who the hell knows? But we're gonna break it down for you and we'll get into Alex's fantasy process. Take it away, boys! into the hey it's Enrico Palazzo fantasy baseball podcast we got a doozy here it's going to be an intense showdown of a show I hope you got your seatbelts buckled in because it's going to be a good one this is episode number 49 believe it or not we're almost to our 50th episode Christopher Deary can you believe it who's the greatest number 49 of all time I can't even think of one off the top of my head uh, that's a good question I have to I to ponder that when uh, I create the intro for the show, which is what we usually do. We always relate the episode intro and the number to a famous 49, or not even a famous one, just a 49 that we like. But we are jam-packed. We have an outstanding guest today. Alex Chamberlain is joining us live. He is the 2018 FSWA Writer of the Year. He writes at Rotographs, and he's also known for his pitch leaderboard, which is just outstanding. It's filled with a lot of outstanding statistical tools. Alex, welcome to the Palazzo Show. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a real pleasure. Well, we've been looking forward to having you on for a while because you know a lot about fantasy baseball, and you're also a pretty funny dude because you make fun of yourself a lot, which is what we like on this show. We're all about bringing ourselves down a peg or two, and anybody who's willing to do that our kind of guy i'm glad you 
appreciate it. I'm already at the lowest peg though, so I can't go much much lower. But I do try to. I always try to, you know, uh, uh, set new thresholds and exceed those new thresholds. So we'll see if I can get to peg negative one here. Alex does have his shirt off. In case those of you are wondering, listening to the podcast, of course. So just want to get that on the record. Uh, you can't see this because it's audio, but. You know when Alex brings it, he goes all the way. I want to send a couple quick shout-outs here to uh, some people in the show who have been really good to us. Richard Sands. Richard Sands is a fantasy baseball player, and he is someone that we really wanted to say, hey, thanks for listening to the show, too. He's got this really cool thing called the Sands Report, which is an inside look at like alternative music and the radio business, although it is dying what's going on around this whole entire industry. Uh, he was a really nice guy. We've had some great talks on Twitter. Wanted to say thank you to Richard Sands for being a part of the show. Thank you. And to Zach Waxman, who put together the Battle of the Podcast Season 2. That's right. Utah, give me two. So thank you, Zach. We've been having a lot of fun in the DMs in there with Justin Mason and Chris from Baseball Pods and (laughs) Matt Williams and SB Streamer and Less Than Dave, Dave McDonald. There's so many people in there just constantly saying funny stuff and it's been an interesting draft i I don't know how thrilled i am with it i think i got into it a little too early i should have drafted before that draft because it was really one of my first drafts of the 2021 season has that ever happened to you alex do you ever jump in too soon or are are you always prepared when you do your first draft oh no no it's always too soon (laughs) soon. i'm never prepared like i i haven't done any drafts yet i haven't done any research yet like i i don't have any any plans you know i've i've uh i don't have any ratings or rankings or literally anything like i don't need to i don't need to describe what i don't have because there's none of it um so like i'm seeing people who have drafted like 49 times already and i'm i'm gonna end up with like five real teams and like one mock draft and they're all gonna suck um so <laughs> that's kind of like i've gotten to that point where i'm just like kind of ex- uh, there you go yeah i've kind of i've kind of accepted i've i've accepted that i'm a guy who uh again like i said before we got on the air that i just kind of like fly by the seat of my pants and i, I do i will prepare for the the drafts that i really care about but otherwise like i'm not someone who takes it so seriously that I need to win like every league. I I want to win every league, but clearly I I'm giving myself an out to not win every league by like not preparing enough. You know, like when I come last in something, I'm like, well, it's because I fucking didn't. I'm excuse me, you can believe that later. It's no, I didn't you're good. No, no, fuck that. No, we're fucking yeah. oh, keeping cool. that yeah, in. We do cussies. We do yeah, cussies yeah. here. Okay. Well, right. anyway, I, I I fucking blew it because I um because I, I you know I didn't prepare and yeah. I give myself that out when it really when it when it, when the shit hits the fan, and then when I do have a you know when I have a good season, when I have a good team, I'm like, yeah, it's because I'm awesome. It's because I'm just naturally really good. <laughs> but if it sucks, then I'll blame it on my my prep. So you know, that's I, beautiful. I, it's, it's a win win. It's a win. It's a win lose with a win win. If that makes sense. <laughs> Life on the edge, a teeter tottering. I like that. Very cool. I think we all want to have a bailout ready at any given moment, and we also want to have like a golden parachute ready to go as well. So I can respect that. I admitted freely, I wasn't prepared for this draft. And these guys are heavy hitters, man. I mean, Zach put together some of the best of the best. It's not like, you know, there's a bunch of battle to podcast leagues out there, I'm sure. And But these guys were like, they're hardcore. I mean, like MLB moving averages, uh, He's he knows his stuff. And these guys are on point. And it just kind of reminded me like, whoa, 
I can't just jump in here like, uh, you know, and just go on pure talent or knowledge without doing some more research. So yeah. I'm still now. Is this um is this a mock or is this a real draft? It's real, yeah. Money and everything. Okay. It's all right. A, all right. It's a fifteen team roto, you know, two catcher. It's a, a draft and hold DC. So uh it's a new experience. You know, draft and hold, there's no that's it. What you get is I'm, what you got. So yeah, how, how much are free agents how much are free agents dropping in your drafts? Or are they kind of right at the normal ADP that we've been seeing? Well like, that's you know, what scares the shit out of me. That's what's interesting is, you know, some guys are getting bargains like Kirby Yates signed with the Blue Jays. We'll talk about that in a second. And somebody got him, I think, in like the 200s, I want to say off the top of my head, maybe down almost closer to 300 because people are drafting now without the knowledge of where some of these guys will land. Brantley is another example. And it is wild. I I was impressed by the fact that, uh, you know, I picked up Jose Quintana today and that's like in the 500s and now he signs with the angels so i'm hoping he'll be at least an innings eater and when you're doing draft and hold you want to have guys like that but you know we'll talk more about that in leading off but i just want to say thanks to zach for putting it all together and thanks to all the dudes zach is going to be doing these little like pods where he's taking pairs of each one of us and bringing us together to kind of talk shit about each other and rip each other's picks so check that out draft champions podcast zach is at draft champagne on twitter Thank you, Zach. You are the man. We salute you. Although we don't really salute on this show, but if we did, we would salute you. So anyways, thank you to all the people that make the Plaza community a real thing. And don't forget, we're part of the Road of Fanatic Podcast Network. We got the Data Monster now available. Paul Mamino, Matt Williams, Carmeirano, Spencer Crosby. A lot of great guys behind this who know what they're talking about. So go check that out at roadfanatic.com. You can also check out my rankings for hitters, which are now available on rotofanatic.com and compare them with the other people on the website. So, Alex, are you ready to dive into some leading off and talk about some of the action that's been going on on the hot stove? Yes, sir. That's a yes. All right. Let's do it. Michael Brantley. Rumor was he signed with the Blue Jays today. Then a couple hours later, he signs a two-year, $32 million deal with the Astros to remain in Houston. I think that's official now. I, <laughs> I was like, I missed some of this earlier in the day, and I, apparently some of the guys in that podcast league even did a quick pod talking about the value of Brantley going up, and then by the time that pod came out, it was already null and void because this report was bogus. But I don't care about that. You know, bad reporting happens. Shit happens. How do you look at Brantley now leaving Houston, going to Toronto, and then coming back to Houston to play? They'll probably still be in the top four of their lineup, right? Yeah. Um, immense, immense boost to his value by going to Toronto first and then coming back to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, right? But, but, but really, I mean, he's he's been one of the most consistent hitters of the last decade. Um, you know, he's a, he's a lock for average Um He's still going to hit you 15 home runs, probably. Um, not running the way he used to, but, you know, 15, 15 homers, five steals, 300 average. I mean, you can pencil that in pretty confidently. Um, I, I, you know, I look at his, his line last year and his strikeout rate is the highest it's been pretty much in a decade. But also, like, again, we're talking about 
small samples. And I don't, I'm not going to, I'm only going to say this, this one time, because it's like everything comes with this caveat of the small sample in 2020. Um, but I'm really like, Thank I'm very you. unconcerned about, um, about that strikeout rate bump, really nothing under the hood strikes me as alarming. He has the best contact skills basically in the game. Um, and I think he's probably going to put up a strikeout rate. That's about the same as his walk rate might even be single digits. So, um, He's back, like, you know, I, I haven't looked at his ADP, but he's probably, um, uh, like, a mid-range outfielder for me, like, just outside the top 100, where he usually is, like, 120, 140s. I, I'm guessing where I'd probably rank him, and I'd be grabbing him aggressively there, too, which is what I usually do uh, every year, so, with him, specifically. I'm so glad that you said you're only going to say that once. So we don't have to keep repeating ourselves the entire show. I will accidentally probably say it a bunch of times. But if I start to say it again, just tell me to shut up. I'm happy to do that with your approval. We will will both say it at least three times. Shut up. Yes, do it. Yeah. If I I try to caveat it again, just just talk right over me. Yes, sir. Or play one of those noises that you have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll just uh, just do that. We salute you. Right now, we're saluting you and applauding you for... But if you blow it, then we'll laugh at you or yell at you or I don't know. Hey, hey Chris, Mr. Deary, what do you think? Uh, Mr. Brantley stays in Houston. This is, uh, you know, status quo, good news. I, I think he stays where he stays in terms of ADP and where I would take him and the value. Uh, I don't really think it hurts Kyle Tucker all that much either because I think Kyle Tucker is going to play regardless. Yeah, I mean, Alex said it all. A super dependable guy. Pencil in 315 home runs, you know, 75 RBIs. He'll bat in the middle of the order. Uh, it's something that the Astros absolutely had to do. I mean, I think Kyle's Kyle Tucker certainly has got that gig locked down, and Miles Straw is going to probably take over in center field. So they really need to lock up another outfielder and bring back what you know has been working well, and that's, that's Michael Brantley. Uh, he's someone that you know you can grab, and he will be dependable for you. And uh, I won't bring it up, but, yeah, I will bring it up. Uh, do not worry about that strikeout rate from last year because it'll it'll dip back down to probably about 10 percent and he'll be just fine i think he's 31 32 years old so he's still got some prime years left and uh great move for the astros he's 34 Ooh, okay he's 34 yeah yeah he's been around a long time um but i still am not concerned i mean that's why that's why the speed has has tailed off basically right that's why he's only stealing five bases a year now but um but everything else i mean everything under the hood is rock solid. I think, I think you're spot on, but he is, he is getting up there in age. Um, but I, I also feel like he has one of those profiles where it'll age really nicely. Like we're going to still be talking about him in five years kind of thing. So. Interesting. I hope that's the case. I respect Brantley's game and he overcame a temporary run of the injury prone or injury bug type player. And that seems like a distant memory. Now he's somebody that we've been, able to rely on on a regular basis. So thank you, Mr. Brantley. And I'm sorry that your life got fucked with in front of a national and international audience, really, today. That's just not cool. But mistakes are made. They happen. We move forward. George Springer's in Toronto now. Quickly, I don't know if there's really a lot to add to this, except it's exciting. I'm kind of curious who this hurts, though. Does this hurt anybody on the Toronto roster, in your opinion now, Alex? Like, uh, Biggio or Gritchick or Telez or is Alejandro Kirk is a name that a lot of people are saying, oh boy, Alejandro Kirk was maybe going to DH more, but now he's screwed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I haven't thought that critically about it. Um, I think I 
don't think Kirk was probably going to DH that much, if I'm being honest. Um, it probably hurts the first base guys a little more. Um, I could see Biggio kind of like floating around and doing a whole bunch of stuff. You know, he, he's played everywhere. I think he could not necessarily be in a super utility role, which kind of kind of implies that he's like second rate, but like be, um, you know, like, like a Zobrist start- when he was in his prime type. Deal? Yeah, like maybe like a starting second baseman, like second base three days a week and then like left field one day, right field one day you know, somewhere else one day, play all seven days of the week, six or seven days of the week, but, but be moving around and, and afford everyone some, some, some time off. And, um, but also basically full-time reps everywhere else for everyone too. So I think it probably hurts the fringiest guys who are invariably like, even though it's, even though Gritchick is like the longest tenured guy here, I think his, his profile is fringier than everyone else. I think um, Teoscar can find himself in, um, uh, you know, I, I imagine his leash is fairly long right now, but I, I can see that shortening up in, in no time at all. If it, if he really struggles out the gate. So, um, I think it's fluid. I don't want to say like ever, someone specifically is going to get hurt, but I, I think like someone like Gritchick or, or Telez or whoever is kind of at the bottom of the barrel and talent wise is invariably going to be the one who, who suffers most. And I think the catcher situation is just kind of separate from that, but that's just me. I don't know. I'm not clairvoyant, but um, I would, I would expect it to affect like Gritchick or Telez most, but, but again, not, not too dramatically. I don't think maybe more their, their prospect guys. Aren't they, don't they have like a, a, some outfielders who are coming up? I don't know anything about prospects. I'm just guessing. I'm just <laughs> I don't know anything. Well, T. Oscar's being drafted like he's the stud of the team almost, besides Bichette and Vladdy. He's number three yeah. on ADP. And he's and yeah, these are the I big mean, hitters who are drafting him highly, too. Yeah, no, I, and, and rightfully so. I mean, everything points to what he did being outrageous and and good and and you know there's there's no mirage in, in the numbers that we saw because everything under the hood supports that but also things can be great under the hood for two months and suck shit for four months too and we yeah. just saw great two month spans and horrible two month spans from people and i don't think that necessarily um fully testifies to their talent level and i think teoscar is uh certainly capable of doing what he did because he literally did it and we saw it. But at the same time, we've also seen guys get off to crazy tears for two months and then fizzle for four months. And I think um, despite having absurd peripherals and and things testifying to them um, performing to that level, again, uh, basically validating that performance, you know? Um, So I don't blame anyone for him being drafted aggressively. Um, I probably won't have a whole lot of shares of him, but I, it's not because I, I don't trust him. It, it really is just a matter of like, can I see him regressing next year? Absolutely. Even though, again, even though everything points to him being outrageously good last year, we also have a lot of years before that where he wasn't, you know, where he was very close, but just couldn't put it together. And, and I've always said anyone can be the best player in baseball for like one month. Two months is pretty close, you know. I mean, we're a little longer than two, a little longer than a month. Two months is, is is a little more substantial than that. But, um, you know, I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if if he became one of the big busts. And I don't want to be on record like I I'm like I keep hedging this. Like I'm not, I'm not like anti Teoscar, 
Um, but I'm just Wrong. I'm just making clear <laughs> I'm just making clear that I could I could very easily see him being the bust of 2021, and I I wouldn't end up being surprised. Um, it's okay. just one of those things that catches up at, or catches us off guard and kind of like bites us in the ass sometimes, you know. Fair enough, I can live with that. I find your belief system fascinating. However, we all know, especially us locals, Chris. Can you you know who I'm thinking of right now? Back in 2010, do you remember it? Was it 10 years ago? 11 years ago? Chris Shelton? He exploded on the scene. Or was it 13 years ago? Christ, was it longer? What than is that? what is local? Yeah, rule five pick. Yeah, we're, oh, we're, uh, we're Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're yeah, Tigers. But, yeah, rule five pick went nuts for what? Three four weeks. April. Uh, he he had 10 home runs in April, and everyone's like, "Wow, look at this! Chris Shelton is the man." Never heard from him again. I I can't believe we keep bringing up that same comp just for guys that are go, that go nuts for a month. <laughs> well, it's a good comp. He was he was on a tear. He was like a player of the month that month. It was an amazing run. And you then, know, it, it's it's crazy to look at this Blue Jays lineup now because they might have eight guys that hit t- over 20 home runs. Um, I'm interested to see if Biggio just moves down in the order or they just slot him in at number two. I don't think he's really the best number two hitter because his average is so weak. I'm sure he's going to walk a ton, uh, and Springer's going to score a ton of runs. I don't love the contract with Springer. Six years seems like a lot for a 31-year-old, but they're going to definitely pay dividends in the first couple of years of this contract, and this is a really, really nice offense now. Yeah, the Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays have a possibility of having a lineup that everybody can hit 20 bombs. It's definitely possible. But hey, we're not here to talk about the Yankees. We're focusing on the Blue Jays because they're making big moves here. They also signed Kirby Yates as a possible closer now. And Tyler Chatwood was signed to a minor league deal, I believe. Um, Tyler Chatwood, when healthy, he can get some whiffs, but the walks can also explode out of nowhere. And then, of course, there's the injury bug with him. Uh Last year, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in. It got exciting for a minute, and then he faded off and got hurt. Uh, I kind of like Chatwood, but I don't know if I like him in the AL East either. Uh, Kirby Yates, though, is a closer. Probably the guy who rises to the top there, would you say, Alex? Gut feeling, or do you like someone else like oh, Romano yeah. or Rafael Dolas? Or? No, 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 no. I mean, Yates was – I so Yates was one of my, my bold prediction guys going into 2019 that he was going to be um, – I gave I gave myself a little bit of of wiggle room. I said he'd be a top two closer. He's being drafted like 14th, I think, among closers, and he was the second best closer in 2019. So I mean, those those underlying skills were always there. Um, he just has a stupid good splitter. Um, he is absurdly filthy when he's healthy, and now I think you know what do I, I don't know I don't know what to make of 2020 and and the injury issue. Um, I think. All caveats aside, like in a vacuum, he's by far the most talented pitcher in that bullpen. I don't find Romano particularly intriguing, if I'm being honest. I think he's intriguing in relative terms because Toronto didn't have a whole lot going on back there when other guys were injured, when Ken Giles was injured or whatever. Um, With Yates back there, I think it's a no-doubter. But if he can't – if he can't return to form – to his pre-injury form, I think there's a big issue there. Um, so I don't know what to make of, again, I don't know what to make of the, the injury. And I, I, I want to draft him aggressively because I, I'm personally emotionally invested in Yates being <laughs> successful. Um, and he's, again, he's really good when he's healthy. And so I'll probably pick up some shares of him. I'm curious to know where his ADP settles in because it, bec- it could become too rich for my blood given the injury scare. Um, 
but again, um, in a vacuum, I think he he runs away with the um, with the closer role, especially if he just picks up right where he left off in 2019. Yeah, I don't want to agree with everything you're saying, but I do. <laughs> so, far, <laughs> so far, so good. I I don't think anybody in that bullpen really rose to the occasion. Ken Giles, even with the constant elbow struggles coming off the IL, going back on, he was still getting saves and being the best reliever in that bullpen, despite being 60% of what he could be. So if Yates is healthy, he's still, he had, Yates had eight strikeouts in four and a third, and he was terrible. The ERA looks awful, but the fact that he could still strike guys out in a short amount of time and he was injured – I like that. That's a good sign for me. And I think I would roll with Yates as the closer. And I know his ADP is going to go up now because that's what happens when a guy signs and he looks like the favorite anyways, right? Is that a, is that a rhetorical question? The answer is yes. Yeah, that is. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> There's no need to you know, yeah. watch me like struggle to fill the silence. I'm a fucking idiot. That's what I am. Okay, yeah. So Kirby Yates is a guy that uh, you should be targeting now. Settle in. I don't care where he pitches. If he's healthy, it's going to be party time. And the chat would move. I like, but you know, I don't. I don't want to focus on that because I don't even know if he'll be a factor in that rotation. Although you're, you're looking he, at a number five starter, it's basically him or Tanner Rourke. If you know Pearson makes the squad and he's your number three, obviously they got Stripling now and uh, everyone's favorite Robbie Ray. Well, Nate, yeah, Nate Pearson, if he can be healthy too, yeah. Well, look, Ja Happ to the Twins and Jose Quintana to the Angels. Now these are under the radar moves. That can be a benefit. These are the ones I want to look at real quick. The Twins do this. They sign these guys on cheap deals. Rich Hill, you know, they took a chance on him. Uh, I don't know if it worked out that well. Uh, but, you know, they took a flyer on Odorizzi, signed him to a couple-year deal. He's gone now. And now Jay Happ's the latest guy to kind of slide into the Twins rotation cheaply and probably eat innings, right? I, I mean, but I don't I don't know if I want him on my fantasy team, though, right? Um, I like Happ. Um, a you fair do. amount. I, I think, yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, he's very underrated for, for the skill set that he provides. And I, I think he he probably gets underrated because he perpetually under, or not underperforms. He 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 comes in under his ERA estimators. He overperforms his ERA, ERA estimators, comes underneath them. Um, and, you know, I think we see that kind of like consistent overproduction and we we don't really know what to attribute that to. And um, he's been really good with the high fastball. Um, he's been showing um, legitimate contact management skills for, for years now. Um, I'm going to just see what this says here. When I do, when I click it, he had a 3.48 ERA over 690 innings from 2015 through 2018. So before the 2019 season where he blew up, he was an excellent starter and he was always getting underdrafted. I mean, he was always like, um, in the, the the late 40s, early 50s of starting pitchers because he was precisely because he's unsexy and he's like in his mid-30s. But these are the kinds of guys that you you scoop up to fill out the, the, the back of your rotation and he gives you a 3.48 ERA um, and like a 22% strikeout rate. That's really good. You know, I'll take that, you know, seven days of the week. Um, him getting lit up in 2019 in Yankee Stadium, um which is, you know, notoriously bad, especially for lefties. Um, and uh, also for a team that has done, for its pitching, has not done a great job of maximizing their talents. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking anecdotally about Sonny Gray. Yeah. Who went there, uh, you know, he basically imploded. We all wrote him off. 
he left. He's been a top 20 to 25 starter since he left. And before that, it was really just his time briefly in in New York where he, he, he really tanked his value. And I can see that being a similar issue for for Hap and him moving to Minnesota, um, especially to a team that just saw Maeda optimize his arsenal. Um, a guy who has always had individual tools that were very excellent, um, but could never quite get it to fit together, was always getting jerked around from the rotation to the bullpen, just never had like a settled thing, went to Minnesota, um, optimized all his pitch usage, broke out in a massive way. I think Hap doesn't Hap doesn't have that kind of ceiling anymore. He's like a hundred years old. Um, <laughs> but I think he still has thirty eight years old. Yeah, that's he, old. He's pretty old. Like this is probably his maybe his last good year. Um, yeah. but he still has, I think, the tools necessary to um be the guy that he was in his mid his early to mid thirties um, in Toronto and, and wherever else he was. And I think we see uh, some of that still in his performance last year. Like I think people are thinking too much about 2019 and disregarding 2020. Whereas I think really 2019 is the aberration. We can still get a mid to high three ERA out of J.A. Happ and get him like dirt cheap in drafts. Again, I don't know what ADP looks like. I haven't looked at ADP. I've already told you that I've done no planning, but I think, I'm, I'm guessing his ADP is going to be is still going to be pretty bad. Um, it's uh, deep. Re- Somebody just drafted him in the podcast battle podcast league, I think today, and we're like in 600 now, <laughs> late 500s. So right, and I think I think uh, you know maybe it'll rise to just outside the top 300. And in a 12 team league, that's bench. That's your bench. And in a 15 team league, that's your fifth or sixth starter. You know, so um, and if he gives you anything below a four ERA, that's, that's gold. Um, I think at that point, especially with like a 22% strikeout rate. So anyway, to bring it all back in a very condensed version, uh, I think um, 2019 is what we should be ignoring, but he is 38. So I, you know, it, it could all fall apart, but I think the tools and the baseline skills are still there just enough as we saw in 2020 for him to be um, serviceable, even in kind of like standard sized leagues. Yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah. He's going to throw his slider to split finger a ton in a division where there's going to be guys that strike out left and right. You know, the tigers, the, the, <gasps> the white Sox will strike out a lot as we know they are young. So he's not going to defend on his fastball. It only tops out at like 90 and I'm not going to have too many shares of a 38 year old, but He's playing for a team that's going to get some wins. I, I like Minnesota. I like that offense. And, you know, Alex said it perfectly. Like, throughout that year with the Yankees, that was the worst spot for him to go. And it's a veteran guy who's going to be able to give you some good value really, really late in the draft. I want to make this clear. When it comes to Jay Happ, this is very league-dependent for me. I don't like him in head-to-head Cats leagues at all because he can have, like, these blow-up starts that ruin your weeks. But in a Roto League... Uh, full season stretch, I would take more interest in Hap. And I think that's the key there. That's very important. Because towards the end of the run of 2020, he had a great September. You know, It was rock solid, a whip of .99. It was 30 innings, I know. Small sample size. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I know, what a dick. <laughs> but, you know, it was a solid effort. So 10 strikeout game blew my mind. I remember facing him. I was facing some asshole uh, that was in September 
eighth of 2020. 10Ks and six and a third against the Blue Jays. So, yes, he still has it in him. I think you just got to be careful. He's streaky, in my opinion. Sometimes he'll give you like three straight starts of four and runs or more. Just think about that. All right. That's way too much on J.A. Happ. Uh, <laughs> finally, uh, you come here quick. for the J.A. Happ content. This is the premier <laughs> J.A. Happ content. This segment is going to be pulled for every other pod. I need my research on J.A. Happ. Let's hit up the 2Ls, 2Zs, Palazzo pod. That's right. This is the Plazo Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs on Twitter. Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. We will read your emails live on the air if you send them to us. We'll also read your tweets. Alex, real quick, uh, Jose Quintana to the Angels innings eater but he does get hurt so maybe he's not an innings eater is there a quick thought on Quintana or is it who gives a shit my quick thought is that yeah who gives a shit I think Artie Moreno saw the Springer news pop and he's like let's make a transaction that'll piss off Angels fans and just like (laughs) slip it under the radar like right as some other big news is breaking um this is like so quintessentially Angels for them to do to like pick up a retread pitcher Uh, he's he's not I wouldn't say retread. That's that's kind of rude to him. Um, you know, I similar to to Hap, his his one bad year was last year. Um, he's not like a mid threes guy in, anymore. He's going to be like a low four ERA at best. Um, and he's thirty one. He's a little younger. That's good. He's news. younger, um, but I, I you know I don't think his skill set is playing up the same way that it did. No. Uh, you know five. 10 years, not quite 10 years ago, but five, eight years He's ago. Much better in, in the south side than in the north side. Yeah, and just the just the offensive context was a little bit different back then. It's weird to say, like, back then, but, like, you know, <laughs> things are, shit has really changed in the last five years. Um, and it, he just hasn't um, adapted well to that change. Um, again, I, I'm obviously I'm disregarding 2020. I don't give a shit about 10 innings. Um, I don't think that 29% strikeout rates, anything. I don't think the 4.5 ERA is anything. I don't think the 2.85 X FIP is anything. Like I'm not putting any stock into any of that, but I, I, you know, I will, I'm willing to disregard um, 2019 to some capacity, but before that he was still, you know, low four um, ERA average strikeout rate. He's uh, a less good hap. If I'm in a 15 team league, I do want, Quintana just because because he he can eat innings I guess but I he's someone that you you have on your bench and you're like but do I actually even want to start him yeah and, and, you, and you never do you know like so you just end up dropping him anyway I there's just no there's no there's no upside here that's the takeaway there's no upside here um and so I won't draft him probably regardless of price there's just there's nothing there's nothing interesting here to me also, we don't want Hap to interfere with your your boy, your main man, Randy Dobnik, either. I mean, we don't want him to be costing him a rotation spot at all. Dobnik is – I was very enthusiastic about Dobnik, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, I, you know, this yeah, guy yeah. – you know, There's this some guy, truth to it, though. some reality there. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I think, I think there's something to be said about no one giving this guy any credit. Um <laughs> me being overly enthusiastic about him, but like, you know, there's nothing for me to lose when I, when I do that, you know, like if he sucks, no one expected him to be good. If he's good, then great. Like this is a guy that can be a decent mid rotation or back of the rotation arm and maybe help your fantasy teams. The part that's bizarre to me is that he struck out basically no one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he was, he had a, he had, uh, you know the, the reason why he 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 tripped my radar to begin with is he was the only pitcher who had like 
uh, a strikeout rate above 25% and a ground ball rate above 50%. Like he, he, he fit two very specific good pitching criteria and was the only pitcher to do that in the high minors. So like that's, that's super interesting to me. Had a great swinging strike rate to back it up and then comes to the majors and the secondary stuff just doesn't work. Like hitters just aren't fooled. Um, Eno Saris had uh, a, a theory behind that. Um, I think is a, a splits, like a platoon, not a platoon, but you know, like a, a handedness uh, splits issue there that really just made his secondary stuff not play up. And you've caught me rambling about Randy Dobnak. I still have faith. And I think he could be like a contact management guy um, with like decent plate discipline stuff going on. But if the, if the strikeout rates that bad still, he's like almost impossible to use um, no matter how good or bad the ERA is. Wrong! Um, so uh, anyway, I still like him question mark. Uh, yeah. I would prefer, I would prefer to see him pitch if that's, ah. if that's what you're asking me, I'd like to see him still pitch and okay. not become relegated to wherever they send quad a pitchers these days. <laughs> By the way, J.A. Happ went in the 29th round of our Battle of the Podcast Leagues to Matt Williams. That's a nice selection there. That's good value, I would say. That's like outside the 400, like 400 and something, 430 something. Yeah, what's 15 times 3? 40, I can't do math. I can't it's just do under, math. yeah, just under 450. So, yeah, that's good. I'll take it. That's, that's, it was before the signing was announced. So now it just goes up in value. Good for you, Matt. Well done. All right, so there it is. We talked about some of the signings. The hot stove is a cooking. We're talking with Alex Chamberlain at Dolph. <laughs> What's with this? Uh, is there a story behind your Twitter handle name? Because I, I don't know it. I don't know everything. I'm not inside baseball. Is it this a is unique baseball. name of yours? Or? This is not baseball whatsoever. Um, I wouldn't think uh, so. Are you familiar? I, I, just scra- I just like picked open a bug bite like a dumbass. All right. Um, uh, yeah, it stings, you know. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit sensitive, and I just, I just. Uh, um, uh, are you familiar with Homestar Runner? <clears throat> oh yeah, I remember that. Yes, okay. strong yeah. dad. Yeah, strong, yeah, strong dad emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Homestar Runner for anyone who's not initiated is um, was like this weird corner of the internet back in like 2003 through like 2009 ish that they did like flash videos that were quite wonderful frankly um very odd um definitely like um had like a cult following its most famous thing was trogdor the dragon the burninator um everyone was somehow familiar with this regardless of whether or not they knew where it came from but anyway strong bad is a character and homestar runner he answers emails every monday and and uh high five to the left makeouts to the right something like something like that yeah 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 so he answers every monday and one of the emails he gets is like well what do you do all the other days of the week so he goes through what he does all the other days of the week and he gets to friday or something and he's like uh nope uh definitely don't do swim lessons uh do not put a speedo on and go to swim lessons but i do go to battle axe lessons at the rec center um, and so he like does his like toxic masculinity, like tries to like uh, hide the fact that he's going to swim practice on Fridays, and he claims that he's taking battle axe lessons with Dolph Paulhagen, the instructor. 
Um, and so he's this like mention. He he's literally appears in this thing for like two seconds in a very like a broad like array of various cartoons on this weird website that existed 15, 20 years ago. Um, so he's like maybe the most obscure reference possible. Um, but a couple of people have recognized it. And anyway, that's where it comes from. It comes from Homestar Runner. And it's like just something that I've always remembered. Like I'm going to be like 85 years old. I'll have dementia. Oh, I'll nah. be in a, I'll be in a care home. <laughs> uh, I'll have forgotten like my wife's name. Uh, I'll have forgotten my children's names. I won't know how to eat. Uh, I won't know how to put my pants on, but I will remember Dolph Haldhagen somehow. But, like, Mike, this, is, this is similar to Jim Burger Sitter and Brefrero the Great. Yes, it is. I would agree. Absolutely. Jim Burger Sitter, uh, unknown relief pitcher from the 1970s. Not a great pitcher, but is that what a real name? name? No, it's not. We made it up. No. Oh, okay. just, <laughs> you're just going but, but people believed it for years. Yeah, I mean, I, I you could tell me that. And I'd be like, I mean, I, I my my history, I mean, my my baseball history knowledge and my regular history knowledge, but my baseball history knowledge is not particularly good. Oh, um, so you could, you know, I, I actually I actually had a bunch of my friend, like some some lady who goes to his pharmacy, gave him like a bunch of her son's like old baseball cards, and this is just like late '80s, early '90s, and I'm like flipping through these. Obviously, all the good cards have already been pilfered. Um, I'm looking at all these cards. I'm like, I just don't remember any of these names all these names seem computer generated frankly um so like you could just make up a name and i would believe it even if it's like, the uh, fantasy football bet you lost where you had to make up your own cards i saw that yeah yeah, yeah. that was fun i mean it sucked ass that i lost i it was did. very confident in my team um but they were just way too injured it seems you take fantasy injured. football losses harder than you do maybe fantasy baseball but maybe oh, they're just yeah. more instant. I don't know. I, I think it's because I, ha- I have, I feel like I have something to prove. Like I, I think in baseball, like I've, I've won a few leagues, you know, I've been there, but football, yeah. I haven't frankly, you know, like yeah. I want to, I want to fucking win. I want to like show someone that I, I'm good at this thing that I'm like very objectively not good at. Believe um, in me. Yeah. And so I, it was a good team. Like on paper, like my draft would have been awesome. You know, it's like Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Oh Kenny Galladay, and then as I as I'm saying all that, like Miles Sanders, Austin um, Eckler, and I'm and and they and then they missed they must have missed a combined forty games. Yeah, that's a lot of ER visits. Yeah, it was oh. uh, you know like I, I, I they were unplayable literally half the weeks that I owned them combined. So it was um, it was a shit show, and I lost that bet profoundly. Um, so I made quite a few. <laughs> Uh, vandalized cards, and they, you know they're all right. They're all right. I thought you know I thought they were kind of clever. Awesome. Okay. Well, you know, shit happens. It, it does. All right, everybody. In honor of this, my fiftieth email, I've decided to answer fifty of your emails. Ready? Go. Number one. That's the one and only strong bad right there. That's strong bad. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, if you're if you're patient enough and also like stealthy enough to do it while we're talking, you can probably pull up the 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 instructor let me see if i can find it i'll follow maybe i'll just send you the clip no 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 yeah, no, no. Don't, let, don't let me don't I, we're we're like halfway through a podcast the pod's over we're not even now. like we're into the, meat of the podcast chat. we're still stuck on transactions let's uh let's we're about back. to move on by the way yes okay. we're moving out okay. of the hot stove zone and we're gonna head into Enrico's Inquisition, where we ask you a bunch of stupid-ass scenarios this or that's uh anything's in play you never know what's gonna happen don't forget 
It's stupid, and it's just for fun, folks, so don't take it too seriously. This is the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network, where you can find the new Data Monster with historical data now available for comparison. Check it out. Settle in. Have some fun with it. Uh, Alex, if you ever get a chance and you want to check that out, we'd love to get your opinion on that. You know, we, Paul Mamino no. worked really hard on it. So No. <laughs> That's never going to happen, ever. I no. refuse. <laughs> yeah, there's too much data out there. We're trying to take it to such a level now where everyone's brains explode before they even get to opening day. That's the new strategy for everyone in fantasy baseball. Man, there is so much data out there. But Paul put a lot of good work into it. So everybody, if you're interested in a new tool, and you want to win your league, then check out the Data Monster. Well, I will say that Paul's, I mean, I, Paul and his like zone based stuff that he's doing with pitching is very much up my alley and like things that I've been looking at for, for quite a while now. So the fact that he and I are on the same page. Thank you. My, uh, my weekly uh, produce box is here. Hey! <laughs> Bananas? Uh, you know, like arugula and, and lettuce and, and tomatoes and stuff. So I don't have to go to the store and get COVID and die. You know, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, like COVID in Hawaii? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell Is it yeah. bad out there? It's getting, well, it's in relative terms. You know, like we have on Maui, where I am, we're in like. Maui time. I'll sorry, tell you. Like, reference, dude. I'm sorry. I had to throw in the Maui time. It's from an old radio that, asshole from okay. the 80s and 90s. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, It's, uh, we're like 50 cases a day. And you're like, oh, that's not bad. Like, if you live in LA, you're like, okay, three people, like one in three people are dying every day in LA. But um, we only have like 11 ICU beds. Um, for a while, that we were only in like single digit cases, and now we're up to 50. So, like, 50 is a big deal here. And it's not like we're going anywhere else. There's one hospital, you know. <laughs> like, I'm not going to drive to the next county to go to another hospital. I'm, if I get COVID in Maui, I'm dying in Maui. Um, yeah. So I would prefer not to do that. We that would, would prefer dope. that as well. Thank you. That'd Thank you for living. We want you to stay alive and be a part of this community for many years to come. We want to hear your rambling thoughts on Jay Happ and the next old pitcher to come and go. I keep everything relevant. You know, everything is, is fresh uh, and everyone's interested in what I'm talking about. You know, Jay Happ, <laughs> Randy Dobnik, guys who are very very fantasy relevant um yes. they are my cups of tea absolutely uh, they're trying every day mike trout can eat shit if he's oh! listening I'm sorry. There uh, it is. but but i mean it i'll fight him <laughs> I, I cannot wait till other people in the industry listen to this pod and they're like you guys really spent an hour and a half talking about j.a hap jose quintana and all the other garbage <laughs> someone's gonna someone's gonna win a league by drafting j hap like 450th or something you stay know? tuned so. all right well let's get to it then it's time for enrico's inquisition bryce harper or lenny dykstra Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh. <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. Oh, oh Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, all right. 
How about that? We're coming in hot with some wonder years. That's right, just for you, Alex. Wait, wait, wait. Do you guys like the Wonder Years too, or is it just are you just stalking me? Are you just fucking with me right now? Well, I actually enjoyed what I heard. I'd actually never heard of the Wonder Years. So, okay. But I did okay. on your Twitter feed, and I thought we would uh, play some the Wonder Years to bring it in on Enrico's Inquisition. Wow, thank you. Wow, that was that terrified me because I was like, that is a intro that I recognize, um, and I was like, is it? <laughs> you see his eyes light up. Like, He's like, oh shit, these guys are either stalking me or they're just as weird as I am. With what do you yeah, call it? E- emo core. Perhaps both. Uh, that was pop punk. I mean, they they call themselves pop punk, but I don't. Okay. I, I really like. It's a misnomer because most pop punk is really shitty. Um, they when they before they like really broke out, they called themselves dude core, and I thought that was really dope. So dude I core. in my heart in my heart of hearts, I still call them dude core because I think that's a fucking dope term, <laughs> and no oh, one else uses it. So they should just call themselves dude core still, but they're like nebulously like just rock pop punk. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I love. Wow. I come from background. Me and Deer, we love uh, ska and punk, and we grew up on oh. that stuff. So, God, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I, I know, I never listened to a lot of ska, but I, I love ska, which is weird. Like, I just don't, I don't go out of my way to listen to it. It's never going to be on my iPod yeah. or anything. But I've been, an like, I, I've wow. seen. I have an iPod. <laughs> I have an iPod Shuffle, dude. I have like second gen. It's like has a, little, has a little click wheel. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Um, You're so I had, retro. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I still have like a Game Boy Color. Um, I was playing Pokemon. I got Pokemon last Christmas, like, uh, like Pokemon, like gold or some shit, you know? So like I, my, my, I have a, I have a Nintendo Switch now, but my, my newest system after Nintendo Switch before Nintendo Switch is uh, N64. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm just stuck in the past. Like I'm never going to grow up. Um, clearly, um, the song you're playing for is from nine years ago, ten years ago in summer. So I'm just I'm perpetually stuck in the past. But anyway, now um, when it comes to advanced analytical baseball stats, oh, look, at that segue. look at that segue. That was hey. awesome. <laughs> well, first, I'm going to ask you some dumb shit before we talk about that. But that would have been a great segue for after this segment. There's no doubt about that. Uh, <clears throat> OK, so in this segment, as always, Mr. Deary, we ask dumb scenarios. That's what we do, right? I, I, I love these questions. It's amazing what we get. I'm excited to see what we get from Alex, especially with some of the questions. If they are similar to the ones we've asked in the past couple of weeks, uh, knowing what I know about questions. Alex in the last week or in the last uh, hour here, uh, we should be, get some great answers. I like how we're, we're an hour in and we're like just getting to this part. We haven't even. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to hell. All right. Uh, Bob's Burgers or Rick and Morty? Oh, Bob's. Seems like an easy call. Oh, I hear I hear a noise back there. That's my daughter crying. Can we put I, this on pause real quick? Hold on, let me sure go get can. her. Yeah. Look at this thing. We got a special guest. This oh. is the first on the pod. Come on. All right, here we go. All right. So we are here with Alex and his lovely young four and a half month old daughter. And we are talking about goofy stuff. So we did Bob's Burgers and Rick and Morty. We got a quick answer on that. Uh how about this? Uh paperbacks or would you rather use a Kindle? Oh, paperbacks. Paperback. Yeah, I figured we that actually is obvious now based on what you just said about uh you know living in the past. I don't even know if I could turn on a Kindle. <laughs> I don't have one either. I don't know how they work. Um dynamic hard hit rate or blast percentage? Oh, DHH. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I'm gonna stop saying oh 
Okay, if I if I say O oh before I answer, then make fun of me. I gotta oh. I gotta get rid of my vocal tics. Oh, um. So anyway, oh, if... I'm full of them. So yeah, oh, okay. get excited to answer. Oh, all right. Yeah, no, I think I say yeah. DHH is better. DHH is better fundamentally. Just in kind of and and is is just brilliant. Like I I'm so envious of Connor's Connor Kirkon. I actually don't know how to pronounce his name. Now that I think about it, I've never said it out loud. Um, his his intuition for the game is just really something else, and that DHH is just a really clever um, idea and a really strong metric, frankly. So if you don't use it, you should consider using it. What would be its uh, value? Like, is it just a better way than another outdated way to look at hitting, or it's just a it's just a better way to interpret hard hits? You know, um, more specific and more specific. Broad. Yeah, like hard hit rate is just like above a certain threshold. Um, barrels incorporates uh, launch angle to us to a certain. You know, it, it not even to a certain degree. It incorporates launch angle, but um, DHH incorporates launch angle almost like in an inverse way, um, where it um, it uh, I guess it. Uh, what's a good way of articulating this? It attributes more value to hard hits that happen at worse angles um, because hitting it hard at a bad angle is inherently difficult to do. And if you're able to do that, that actually says a lot about your talent level. So like Joey Gallo smoking one 110 miles per hour, but straight into the sky doesn't tell you shit about his outcomes because it's a pop-up. But very few people can actually do that. And the fact that he's able to hit one that hard at that bad of an angle tells you, in theory, tells you what he can do at a good angle kind of thing. So it's not like, uh, you know, a a barrel percentage would disregard that hit because, or not hit, it's a batted ball, not a hit um, because it's a pop-up. But it it would disregard that batted ball because it became, or because it came on such a a suboptimal launch angle. Um, But DHH is saying, don't disregard those batted balls on suboptimal language or languages. What the hell am I saying? On <laughs> suboptimal launch angles. Um, just, you know, they need to be hit at the right speed to be worthwhile for us in terms of, you know, player prognostication. So um, I would say it, it, it serves kind of more of a, a predictive value in that sense. And I think that's what Connor showed is that it's like more predictive than, than barrel rate or or even probably blast rate um, or hard hit rate um, ex wobacon like I think as far as hard hit measures are concerned it's like one of the best ones that we can use I think um, so it's very clever and um, and, and strong to boot so hmm. it's got okay. my thumbs up of approval here and Remy's fist of approval whatever this hey! is alright we got Remy's fist of approval that's even better no thank you that is so helpful. There's a lot of people out there who are afraid to ask questions. They don't know. They don't want to look stupid. Myself included sometimes. I don't know everything about all analytical tools and how it's applied. So we do appreciate you breaking it down for us. Thank you. Really. Yeah, of course. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or Royal Tenenbaums? Mm. Not going to say oh, but that's you a didn't. tough one. You didn't. Um, I think emotionally... It would have to be Eternal Sunshine. No. <laughs> yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. Like, like in like a, 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 in like I'm still 
like sad and and nineteen kind of way. But but I think I think I'm also a sucker for Wes Anderson and 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 um you know I think if you had maybe picked a different Wes Anderson film, I might have gone. I might have leaned West there. Um, not saying that Tenenbaums is the worst one, but I just have a you know you know I like I you know if you'd said like Rushmore, uh, what's that? Rushmore. I like Rushmore. See, like I, it just depends. I don't know. I think it just depends on my mood. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to keep it all in perspective. If you'd asked me this 12 years ago, again me living in the past, uh, I would have said Eternal Sunshine. But um, I think I, I think Tenenbaums is more watchable. So that should really actually be my answer. I guess my answer is Tenenbaums. Because if you're if I'm going to watch a movie tomorrow, it's going to be Tenenbaums. Well, 12 years ago, we were all in the same depressive stage of having a terrible relationship. So that's why we probably all would pick uh, Eternal yeah. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. But yes, Tenenbaums is certainly more watchable. Wow. What, you disagree? Want to fight? No, he's right. It's okay. impressive. I mean, that I waffled was- on that one for a long time, so I don't know what the right answer is anymore. That's the thing. We ask these in the moment, and whatever your answer is in the moment, that's it. So you could change it tomorrow. You could change it tonight. Uh, Foo Fighters or Vanessa Carlton? Vanessa Carlton. Yeah, there it is. Better the man for, hates better the for karaoke. <laughs> it's a person. I saw that on his timeline, so I wondered, was Vanessa Carlton really like that much a part of him and a passionate response? Although you do like the Foo Fighters as well, but Vanessa Carlton comes first. Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't like the Foo Fighters that much, frankly. I, oh, don't, don't? Like, I don't even know if I like uh, Vanessa Carlton that much either. But if, but the tiebreaker for me usually in these kinds of things, where, yeah, if I don't, if I don't really like the artist, then it's going to come down to how well can I sing it in, in a karaoke bar. Um, and Vanessa Carlton fucking rips. Dude, this song's so good for karaoke. Yeah, dude. You should, I swear, before you die sometime, melt that song at the top of your lungs. So good. I think um, this is on the Grey's Anatomy soundtrack. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, man. This is why we do this. We learn so much beyond the baseball. We learn more about these people. These are human beings. Alex Chamberlain is a human being on this planet. He's living day to day, just like the rest of us. Let's see. Uh, Basset hounds or golden retrievers? What do you think? I don't give a shit. Yeah, what do you think? Come on, Basset young lady. Golden retrievers, probably golden retriever. I think they're just like they're just they're just gentle. They are very. They're, sweet. Just, they're just kind of like chill. I'm not really a dog person, so I, I don't even know. I, I think personality-wise, like what Bassett hounds are like. You know? <laughs> but um, Chris Bassett would be a different story. Nah. Very into Chris Bassett. If I had to <laughs> pick a dog based on its proximity to a human baseball pitcher's name, I would pick Bassett hound. Because <laughs> I'm a Chris Bassett guy. Before Chris Bassett was cool to be in on. Yeah, he's blown out now a little bit. Yeah, he's now kinda... now people are kind of giving him a little more, a little more credit. And I think people, I think people who are early adopt, I'm like a, a medium adopter of Chris Bassett because he he's been putting together good, good metrics since like 2018, I think. Um, and it took me until 2019 to really buy in on that. But I think you know now people are finally seeing in 2020 that they're they're finally buying in in earnest. But kudos to the people who saw him in 2018 and were like, yeah, this is a thing that could be be real because it is it's been real so far and he's been one of the best 
pitches at limiting contact and and that's a very repeatable thing that he's he's been putting together um i think anyone who's maybe doubting him for that will oh was that a doubt <laughs> look you know she's still learning she's still she's better at me than most things and uh, better than me at most things but maybe t- determining contact management skills i'm not sure she's there <laughs> Um, you know, those things can, those things can waver from year to year, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident in, in Bassett in terms of the skill set that he's shown for basically three years at this point. I, I like where he's going in drafts cause it's, it's just low enough for me to just buy the shit out of him in basically every draft that I have. He's probably their most reliable starter. I mean, not the most talented maybe, but definitely the most reliable. Jesus Lazardo gets a lot of run Montas. These guys all get a lot of hype, but the guy who's there, producing for you year in and year out is Chris Bassett more so than Sean Mania too. I would take Bassett over Mania any day of the week. So. Same. So there's uh, not, a, there's not a lot of innings uh, built up with that staff. No, no. I mean, that's fair. True. That's fair. You're that's right. true. It's true. You, you bring um, that up, then it blows up my argument, but you're right, dearie. But at the same time, he still is the most reliable and that's it. That's the bottom line. Uh, onions or tomatoes. Depends how they're prepared. Ooh, well, it, any way you want it, any way you want it. Uh, grilled onions over tomatoes over raw onions. Yeah, raw. You don't see raw, You know, where is raw onions used in a salad? Maybe I, I don't. I mean, like guac or something, or uh, you oh could put yeah, raw onions on a burger. Salad, but I'd rather. I, I will sub raw uh, sub in um, grilled onions for raw onions every single time on a burger too. Um, so, but like, oh, shit. there we go. There it is. Woo! I'll pretend that was her burp. She's supposed to be getting the burps, not me. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I think onions are, um, I was, I was not an onions person for a long time. And I, I think it's cause they make me gassy and frankly, they still a do. A lot of people. And so yeah. it's my wife that has to deal with that. So, uh, you know, Respect but to the wife. Shit, yeah. You know, yeah. you got you to gotta deal with my farts. Onions are delicious. <laughs> um, and that's that. We love talking onion farts on the Plaza pod. Yeah, we're talking onion farts here on the Hands of Rico Plaza Fantasy Baseball pod. J-A-Hap and onion farts. <laughs> it's the dumbest show the, we've done yet. Uh, the Venn diagram of J-A-Hap lovers and onion farts is a circle. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh coffee or tea coffee coffee well, that's easy but i've become a tea person a little more lately at night my wife's been making tea and i've just been drinking it because why the hell not but really- I, I'm, I'm i usually like mainline coffee i'm very dependent on coffee you are a you're a you're a younger father you should be very dependent on coffee i would assume so uh, even before even before oh okay came, i've just struggled uh <laughs> sharp pain or inflammation Oh God! Um, <laughs> I guess inflammation. <laughs> oh, consistent pain. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. You know, if you got your yeah, I can live with that. Uh, Brian Kenny or Dan Plesak? Neither. Oh, is that an option? You can do whatever uh, you want. I don't. I actually don't. I think I offended her. I'm sorry. I apologize. Don't talk shit about uh, Kenny. <laughs> I actually don't watch a lot of like MLB Network, so I don't, I don't have, have it strong, at all. I don't have a strong opinion on either one. Are I know Brian is like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to fade Brian here just because he he's the guy who's like, yeah, I'm super into analytics, and then 
he releases the shredder which is like a, a a fairy tale projection system that puts like drew pomeranz as the second best reliever in baseball so uh you know i will take his opinions with a thousand grains of salt um i think and i'll do the same with plesak i guess i think i i feel like he's like a like a poser like i don't want to gatekeep on, on analytics and like uh you know but like i feel like he's he's trying to be super analytical and then just uh, and then like really stupid shit like that comes to light like drew pomeranz is the second best uh reliever in baseball is Pomeranz is a good reliever at this point, but he's not the second best reliever in baseball. Um, and watch watch him be the second best reliever in 2021, and just like absolutely um, shove it down me. your throat, yeah, humiliate me. Okay. That's so. Funny. I'll go please sack. I'll go please sack. Just kind of like arbitrarily. Mike, Mike, we, not, Mike, we need a we need a shredder drop now from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah we shredder. Do. Yeah, we definitely need shredder. We also need a poser. You know, I've not heard poser since eighth grade. I think in a while, so. twenty five years. Yeah. I remember when grunge came out, and I was in eighth grade. And if you were a poser, boy, you were in deep shit, man. They they were looking. They're sniffing you out real quick. Trust me. Uh, okay, a couple more here, real quick. Uh, John Means or Zach Greinke? I am inclined to say Granky. Um, I'm not. Okay, so again, haven't done any research. I am intrigued by Means's gains last year. I am, like others, inclined to disregard Granky's losses or or uh, uh, decline, I should say, last year as well, which would put. <laughs> ah, I, I was about to say I'm bored, but I was just kidding. I'm not bored at all. But I know you're bored. I know. I know you. I'm you probably so have a big stinky diaper. Mm. I'm actually talking to myself. Um, no, I, um, I. So I'm gonna, with the, with the caveat that I haven't evaluated either of these pitchers yet. I'm gonna put Granky ahead of Means, um, even if I come away feeling like I'm confirming what I saw in 2020. I still might like Granky more um, in 2021, but I, I definitely am intrigued by, by means. And I'm opening the floor to you guys talking about him. If you want, if you have any strong opinions on him, otherwise we could just move on. But I, I, I was, uh, you know, I had him on a few teams just to eat innings and he, he was delightfully better than that last year. Um, it's just, again, there's a small sample size, um, (laughs) that I, that I, I I haven't reconciled yet. So I'll, I'll get there at some point. Velocity uptick. People are excited. We'll see if that plays into 2021. That's all yeah. needs to be said. Last one. For love or money, Alex? For love. Yay! That was the obvious answer tonight. He's got a baby in his hands. How could he not stay for love? I actually tried oh. to sell her for money recently, but it didn't work. So I'm obligated yeah. to say for love. Well, the market's in the tank, man. So I understand. No one wants babies anymore. No, I don't know what no happens. It used to be everything. It used to mean everything. There it already, is. You did it. Already you drove her off the lot, so she's she's already <laughs> decreased in in value substantially. Immediately decline. Yes. Well, there it is. You've surpassed and survived and moved forward from Enrico's Inquisition. Thank you for playing. It's been a lot of fun. Now let's talk about this. I have a few ADP conundrums I want to talk about with you in a segment we'd like to call ADP. Easy as one, two, three. I don't know. Check this out. ADP is Kyle Tucker, top 30. Should I pair chart with Mondesi, Max Muncy? Do I wait on closers or draft Ryan Presley? 
You did wow. not do that. You really made up a song. Oh, so I'm into it. In the heart of you know, in the spirit of ADP conundrums, we got a couple here we want to go over with you real quick. I want to know Kyle Tucker or Luis Robert or a third option because right now Tucker and Robert seem to be head neck and neck right there around like the 27 ish pick into 30 and 30 plus. Is there a difference? Uh, so uh, ADP, something I am woefully unfamiliar with right now. So I'm not going to do any ors here in terms okay. of like guys who I who who might be in that. That's in fine. That, I just want to give you a third option area. if you had one. That's yeah. Fine. No, I don't. I don't. That's but okay. I think I, I think I'm going to go Tucker. Um, and again, this all comes with the caveat that I've done no research this year. So just knowing what I know about both guys, um, I'm a little bit worried about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Robert because that's how it should be pronounced. Robert's. Um, oh, uh, I'm uh, sorry, Mr. Robert. No, we've been going back no, 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 no. for he, a year he says on whether it's Robert, Robert or Robert. But like, his, it's Louis Robert. Like, it's a French, like, it's a call, like a French colonized name. Anyway. Um, you disagree? Like, You're so pedantic, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> you dumb idiot. Um, so asshole. I think I, I'm, I'm more interested in Tucker's um, plate discipline, if I'm going to use that as a tiebreaker. Um, and I think in terms of contact, um, you know, Robert has, I think, maybe a higher ceiling, um, but Tucker is more consistent. And I'm definitely more of like a consistency guy just because I'm a coward and I like what's safe. Um, yeah, dad's a coward. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm not at all surprised that they're like neck and neck in ADP. That doesn't surprise me one bit. I, if I end up not getting either one, I would just wait to get like Trent Grisham or or Tommy Pham or um, the usual like four or five tool guys that are coming like two or three rounds later. I think those are really great consolation prizes that, you know, Grisham was neck and neck with Tucker and Robert last year. Um, I was big on Grisham coming into 2020. So just to, you know, for him to be validating that for me, um, it's validating a bias, but you know, it's, it's everything that I expected from him. And I think people are, are more surprised by what he did than by what Tucker or Robert did. And so that's suppressing his price a little bit. They might all be over overpriced, frankly, but I'm willing to wait to just get Grisham like two or three rounds later or whatever it's going to end up being. And if I miss, Tucker or Robert, so be it. I'm dodging the question a little bit here, but I, I think Tucker by a hair is my answer. I don't want Grisham in Roto. I think there's a big difference between a points league, OBP-based leagues with Grisham when you're talking Tucker and Robert. I really do. I, I don't want to have him in Roto, but because I think he's going to hit 240 or less, and he'll get on base and steal, but... He's not going to give you a batting average. He'll give you power and steals. So if that's something you want to put your money on, but don't expect more than the power and steals. And, you know, maybe a possibly 150, 175 total runs RBI type deal. But that's my opinion. And you are entitled to yours, Alex. What about you, Deary? Uh, the comps on both players are so similar. I mean, they're looking at, you know, same amount of RBIs, same amount of runs, same amount of stolen bases, but I'd have to agree with Alex. I'd go with Tucker. I like the plate discipline a little better. He's going to strike out a little less. Uh, he's also going to bat a little higher in the order than Mr. Robert, as Alex likes to put it. Uh, so I'll go with Alex Tucker, but I think you're okay with, uh, or Kyle Tucker. I think you're okay with either guy. Yeah, Adam Eaton throws a wrench in, in things. It'll be interesting to see where Eaton ends up in the lineup, and that's going to make things a little bit different. Uh, how about this one? Kenta Maeda or Blake Snell? 
I think I like Maeda more. Um, I've always liked Maeda a, a lot, and seeing him break out last year was um, uh, very assuring. Um, Snell, I still think, has a pretty high ceiling. Um, I think the fastball is an issue. I think it requires a fundamental change in approach. I don't know if we're going to see that. I think he also... My daughter farted. A lot of farts today. Um, ah, a lot of uh, snow. What was I saying? He, you know, when the you approach really, isn't going to change. What's that? You said the approach isn't going to change. No, no, I don't know if it's going to change. I don't know if it's right. going to change. I think it needs to change. In what way? To not be so to maybe live lower in the zone um, ah. because he's living up in the zone and and his fastball is getting torched. Um, I wanted to go to Blake Snell fan graphs because I just wanted to see if my intuition was correct. But if I'm not mistaken. Little girl, <laughs> um, he has. It's loading so slowly. Okay, okay. Loading. So he had a decent season last year. I was not actually aware of that. Not but, bad. But he sandwiched his 189 ERA between a 404 and a 429. And part of me was just like, I wonder if this is just like who he is. He he still doesn't really have command. It's not what I'd call command. I wouldn't even really call it decent control. Um, and I think he got a bit lucky last year if we're talking about strand rate. Um, uh-huh, yeah, 89. So I, um, <laughs> the strikeouts are really nice. I think if you can get a 30% strikeout rate, that's great. I mean, obviously, you're not going to complain about that. But I think there's also like, ooh, this comp is going to be really bad, but like a Chris Archer flavor here where like he, he made this big change – uh, a couple of years ago where he started striking out guys a ton, but still ran up huge av- or huge ERAs. And that's just because I think he was, he was being way too vulnerable um, in the zone. I think Snell has two, two of the best secondaries in the game and he doesn't have a good way of weaponizing them right now. Um, and I'm actually um, a bit, a bit wary of, him being like a true ace. I think that's his ceiling is a true ace. And I don't think he's quite there yet because he, he, I think he needs to overhaul his fastball approach. I'm just rambling at this point, but I think that's, I think that's like my, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my diagnosis. And it's not, it's not, it's not a professional opinion because I don't always know what I'm talking about. No, I, I think what you're trying to say, Alex, is that he's just so damn volatile with his fastball. It's all over the place, and it's why he's thrown so many damn pitches in Tampa, and I don't know how that's going to change in San Diego. I'm with you. I like Maeda more because it's just more dependable. I mean, who's more likely to give up six to seven runs in a game? It's probably Blake Snell and not Kenta Maeda, so I will side with Maeda. Uh, it's hilarious because we talked about Snell the other day, and I – I kind of bashed him, even though I have him in my dynasty league, and I'm going to be rooting, rooting for him like crazy. And uh, you know, Mike, Mike likes Snell. I think you like Snell a little more than Maeda. Is that correct, Mike? I love Maeda. I, this is a tight, tight nitpicking area here because they're both going right around the same range in the 45-ish to 50 range. They're both available. You can make a choice, and I just think it's too close to call. I, I don't know if. There's a separator yet. That's why I wanted to ask Alex if there was. And that's an interesting point that he made. The command right now seems to be rock solid for Maeda. But we want to see this. And Alex, I think you have to agree here. Maeda, 162, see the whole package. 
give us everything nonstop. Can we actually get that? Because I actually think Snell can throw more innings than Maeda. I still think that's very possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, can you just ask the same question of Snell? The guy has... Yep, um, you could. He has... So he, he essentially threw a full season last year of 50 innings, but his longest is... Or his biggest season is 180 innings. After that is... 24 starts, 129 innings in 2017. I mean, he hasn't been the the hallmark of durability either. So nope. um, I, I would call the innings a wash. And I think a lot of Maeda's, yeah, I Ooh, know. Passionate I think, I, Yeah, I think Maeda's issues, uh, you know, this is maybe biased, but it his seemed like he was getting jerked around a little more in, in Los Angeles as opposed to him being injured. And I, I think a lot of his injuries were not necessarily injuries, perhaps. So um, I would like to see Maeda do it for a full season. Um, but I, I have more confidence in him doing it over a full season than, than Snell, at least right now. So, I mean, you got to look, I mean, in 2016, Maeda had 175 innings, uh, you know, he started 32 games, so, uh, he certainly can do it. And I think him coming out of the bullpen and more mid relief was more for the fact that they had, you know, a lot of other guys there in the rotation for LA and it just kind of fit their team better for what they were going for. But certainly, uh, love to see 180 innings out of Maeda. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is going to be, I cannot wait to come back and revisit this at the end of the season. It's going to be really interesting. I'm telling you, these two will be tight. Uh, a Rosarina or Lourdes Guriel? Guriel. Yeah, I wouldn't mean, you rather again, wait? I, what's that? Wouldn't you rather wait on Guriel like 35 picks later? And Is he actually after? Oh, yeah. Rosarina wow. Skyrocketed now. Uh, as of January 1st, NFC ADP, Rosarina is. 57 ADP right now. And Guriel is lower than that at 78. Yeah, I like I said, I haven't done any ADP research, but I'm astonished to hear that, frankly. Like See? I thought I thought Arozarena would be after Guriel. And I would still probably pick Guriel. Um <laughs> so go. again, I haven't I haven't done any research on Arozarena, but uh uh I'm I'm very reluctant. Like I would <laughs> I would be. Um, I feel like I'd be caught dead before, like sinking all my, um, sinking all my 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 marbles. I'm I'm combining like three different idioms, but sinking all my marbles into uh, a postseason performance. You know, right? So, um, exactly. This is a if you're in a 12 team league, you know, top 60 pick. You're putting one of your first five picks as a Rose Arena. I mean, your first five picks they got to be really rock solid choices, in my opinion. And I love a Rose Arena. I loved him when he was back down around the 200s. But he skyrocketed with this performance, and now I, I just can't pay that price. Even though I love watching him and I love his skill set, I really do. Like I, I'm, I'm always, I, I always say that I'm happy to be wrong. You know, like if Rosarena is is good, then that's fine. Like I, you, if you want to say that I'm taking the L by me fading Rosarena, that's that's fine. But like I, I see him as, and this is just me speaking to the crowd. But like I see him as really risky. And again, I haven't looked at his profile yet. But even if I look at his profile, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to look at his profile. I'm going to see a couple of weeks of really good performance in September. Uh, was a nice run. Yeah. In October. And like be, and what, what am I going to say about that? I'm going to be like, okay, this was good. And it was a small sample. Um, and this <laughs> is the guy who has, has um, maybe has been slow to come around. So um, I don't know. I just, I just can't imagine that I'm going to go do my research on a Rosarena and come away like, Oh, hell Yeah top 60 pick you know like i just 
I, I don't know. I don't they're, know. I'm they're both in a, they're both in head. a similar area with the, offering similar skills. I just think you're getting better value if you wait on Guriel. It's a great lineup too. It's I think it is better than Tampa's lineup. But anyway, that's just another piece of the pie to add to the puzzle. Jordan Alvarez or Nelson Cruz. Now, these are two guys that are mainly utility guys, and one's way older than the other, but sometimes Jordan Alvarez seems like he's as old as Nelson Cruz with this bogus knee issue he's got going on. I don't... Is there, There's got to be an ADP difference here, right? Is There um, is. It's not... So, with these two guys, it's not as huge. It's not like, uh, whoa, I can't believe Jordan Alvarez is going here and Nelson Cruz is going there, but there's a about a 15 or so difference and i just think where are they gonna, both like in in oh, what is their what is their 80 jordan alvarez is 90 right now and since Cruz january five like uh Cruz, I believe Cruz, that was correct. Cruz higher yeah 102 yeah 102 so yeah wow so um so i think um so i'd take nelson cruz yeah i'm not gonna i don't think i'm gonna have a lot of alvarez and his knees that, that kind of terrifies me still frankly um i don't really care what the best shape of his life news is about his news this this spring. Um, I'm hey, have you heard gonna... Vladimir Guerrero's in the best shape of his life? Me too, man. I am too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, you I, um, you know, I'm probably not gonna have a lot of Alvarez regardless. Um, even if it's a good price, um, I am uh, always going to have Cruz. Um, you know, his, the way that he's aging is nearly unprecedented. Like he, you know, people are remembering David Ortiz as being one of the best DHs of all time. And, and Cruz's age is uh, Cruz's age thirty four to forty seasons are better than David Ortiz's objectively. Wow. I mean, like by by like by WAR, by by weighted runs created by by WOBA or whatever. He's been uh, he's been better. He he strikes out more than David Ortiz did. Uh, and I, I you know I think that maybe there uh, there's some perception issues there, especially in terms of like. Um, personality and like the the kind of the PR campaign that is David Ortiz and being a very likable guy. Yeah, but Nelson Boston. Cruz yeah. is is aging um almost without compare. And if you think about David Ortiz leaving the game basically at the top of his game at age 41 and Nelson Cruz is better than that. I just think that there's I'm going to ride Nelson Cruz until everything falls apart. Like cuz there's really nothing showing that it's falling apart. I think folks are looking at his max EV and seeing that it's down a couple pegs and it's still like it's still elite like it it, it fell from like 115.5 to 114 and people are like oh man like the decline is approaching i'm like well i think if literally anyone else on my fantasy team had a max ev of 114 i'd be pretty stoked and this guy's like 40 years old so he's been um he's been i'd have to look at my 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 spreadsheet but he's been like a top 25 hitter if not like top 30 overall player for like seven straight years or something i mean it's it's bananas how good he's been and how underrated he's continued to be because of his age because of being utility only and that keeps affording him perpetual discounts and i that's why i have to keep buying because even if the wheels fall apart like anyone can bust anyone can bust because of injury um you know, you can you can point and laugh at me if he if he busts because, yeah, he's forty years old. Duh, he was going to fall apart. But we've been saying that for five years or whatever. It hasn't happened. He's been insanely good. He's been one of the most profitable players in fantasy for the last half decade. I have to keep buying. My blind faith is is uh, unwavering. That's right. My daughter is going to be a Nelson Cruz fan. Um, you're right so about have, that. Though. I have to go Nelson Cruz, especially if he's outside top 100. 
Last five years, since 2015, WRC Plus, 158, 148, 146, 133 in 2018, 163 in 2019, and 164 last year in limited duty. Deary, I mean, how can you pass up that kind of production? It's so insane. We're arguing a 23-year-old who absolutely murders the ball, but has just <laughs> garbage knees, yeah. and a guy who's older than me. And I, I just turned 40, but this guy's got like four months on me. And <laughs> like you said it, going back to 2000, basically 14, he's averaged 40 home runs. And you know, besides in 18, where he only had 70 RBIs with the Mariners, he's pretty much putting up 85 to 90 RBIs every year. And Every year, everyone's avoiding him because they're just like, all right, the wheels are falling off, and it just doesn't happen. I'm I'm too scared of Jordan's knees. I mean, there's absolutely unbelievable upside there, but, I mean, can he give you more than 110 games? I mean, Nelson Cruz, bank 135 games for Nelson Cruz. He's going to be able to just DH, and I can't believe he's still doing it, and I don't think I've ever had him on my team. Yeah. But, uh, oh, man, you'd be at, missing out. <laughs> I, oh, that's uh, why I, I don't win very many leagues. It, it, it's amazing. It's, there's a couple of dynasty leagues I play in where he's been traded in the last couple of years for a bunch of garbage and everyone gets pissed. They're like, how are you trading this guy away? Because he still produces. So I go with Nelson Cruz and this will be the year I draft him and it all falls apart. I know. I know. I'm, I'm afraid. I'll be really sad if it, if it falls apart this year too, because it has, it does have to end at some point, but yeah, I mean, I, I traded last, I think it was the 2019 trade deadline, I traded for Nelson Cruz twice and in a dynasty <laughs> league. So I am clearly, I've clearly got interesting priorities in a dynasty. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, he's he's uh, in, in, real, in real world baseball, he's like a top, well, Derek Cardi's probably going to hear this and like roll in his grave, but he's probably like mm. a top five or ten pure hitter. Um, still at 40 years old and there's just like who in history can you even say that about you know like you're gonna say that about trout hopefully you probably couldn't even say that about ortiz when he was a d maybe you could say that about ortiz but that's my point is like he has so few Cruz has so few comps you know yeah <laughs> I just wish god, maybe- god i wish miguel cabrera was nelson cruz at this point in his career I know. Oh. I know. he should have been he should have been dude he's the one who had the health problems I will. I want to tell you this real quick, though. A guy I respect immensely, Eric Cross, prospects guru, says uh, he's liking what he's hearing about Jordan Alvarez's knees. He talked to a guy who's kind of an expert. He's an injury expert. I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I could. Knees uh, expert. But, yeah, it was. He was. He was like a. He's a guy who knows like science and you know medicine and shit. And he says Board that. Uh, <laughs> yes, he said he liked. Uh, how he was healing and recovering and that uh, Eric Cross was going all in. Now, that doesn't mean it'll be right, but if you respect Eric Cross's opinion, you know, take that and do with it what you will. Well, I, I will say that it's probably the best his ADP is going to look for a long time for Jordan because he, he's either he's either go- what are you doing? I thought she died for a second. She just got <laughs> so slack. Nah, she's just <laughs> I was like, why are you so calm? Um, God, that's the fear of being a parent, man. Like, uh, you're just constantly wondering if your child's dead. Like, that's what I do 23 and a half hours. Jesus a like, is she alive still? You can't do that on radio, man. <laughs> oh, uh, don't tell don't tell Child Protective Services, please. Yeah. Um, no, you're just worried. If anything, you're an immensely no, caring and I'm paranoid an anxious, parent. That's a good yeah, thing. I'm just an anxious person. Um, but anyway, I think 
you know, if if his knees are truly healthy, it's going to be the cheapest you're ever going to get him for yeah. for for ten years. You know, if he's if he's as good as we think he is, and he he really appears to be as good as we think he is. It's just the knees, and if if he's healthy, you're not going to ever get him cheaper. So if, if you're nope. a Jordan fan, you might as well just buy in this year. It's pronounced your money where your mouth is. You know, yeah, that's right. All right, there it is. That's a little bit of this. ADP is Kyle Tucker, top 30. Should I pair trot with Monda C, Max Muncy? Do I wait on closers or draft Ryan Presley? Okay, thank you for playing that game. That was a lot of fun. Break it down some ADP conundrums. Boy, let's talk real quick about some of your fantasy foundation, and we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, fantasy foundation of Alex Chamberlain. A lot of people want to know about this, and I'm sure you can't reveal everything behind the curtain. Oh, I can you tell are... you anything you want to know, man. Nothing's a secret. Oh, okay, great. Um, what is the the role of analytics in mainstream fantasy baseball? Whoa, that's way too broad. Yeah, um, it's too broad. Let's tighten it up. Wait, let's tighten it up. <laughs> let's tighten this up then. Uh, the first thing you do when you sit down for a new year of draft prep is what? Well, that's a great question because I was thinking about this year doing something different. Um, but I think each year usually I... One of the things that helps me plan each year is for fan graphs, we have to write captions, um, like player captions for the pages. Like if you go to any page right now, um, there's like a couple of links underneath like the news section where it has years and you can click on those years and see what fan graphs and and rotographs writers have written about players um, before every season. They're basically like fantasy spin, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's always a really good way for me to. Um, prepare it kind of like starts my deep dive process on certain guys i try to write as many of those as i as i as i reasonably can um and it kind of just forces me to have opinions about guys um and i think one of the things that i did wrong in the past was i i I wrote about guys i knew things about like i would have picked nelson cruz and waxed poetic about nelson cruz and been like hell yeah draft nelson cruz this guy rips uh rips ass i was gonna say rips ass I was like that means fart um but he rips you know that's how uh, I but really what i should be doing is like and, and i did this more in 2019 and i had a decent ish season but i i i focused on guys more who i was less sure about and it really forced me to like do a deep dive and not only do that but like are uh, uh, kind of like synthesize those thoughts you know like present a coherent and cogent argument to myself if not to everyone else of what I think about this player. And I think that's like one of the things that I would recommend any person to do is you have to have strong opinions on at least some guys. You can't just roll into a draft and be ambivalent about everyone, but you also can't roll into a draft and have a strong opinion about everyone because you're not going to get everywhere. So um, I try to, uh, I try before the start of the season to like decide guys that I, I feel confident enough knowing nearly everything about them or knowing nothing about them that I will probably either, you know, draft them at all costs or ignore them. Like Nelson Cruz is a guy where I will probably not do a lot of research, <laughs> probably buy, blindly draft a lot of him. And Arosa Reina will be a guy where I'm like, probably not going to even bother at his ADP, you know, like even if he falls in a draft, I'm just, I, I will probably find myself drafting anyone else instead of him. Um, although he's someone that I should probably learn more about, but I will use that mental energy and learn more about guys like, uh, like Kyle Lewis hey! uh, or, um, who, you know, who am I, who am I thinking of that? Like 
that might be uh, like a breakout guy. Like like Max Freed will probably be like someone I'll look into. Like just guys that like maybe Brian I have Hayes. not given enough <laughs> not not given enough credit to in the past, or guys who have kind of like emerged from nowhere. Um, I will spend more time and form concrete ideas about them. And so my my deep dive kind of starts with that. But a lot of that again is forcing myself to synthesize an opinion, to mm-hmm. to write something down. Okay. And to, to present basically again an argument, if not to someone else, at least to myself, of what my thought process is about this guy. And if that thought process changes in three months, then at least I can trace back what my original thought process was, you know, because that's definitely sure. happened to me where I, I have an opinion about someone and then three months later I'm like, why did I think that? Like where was I where was I getting this opinion from in the first place? And so yeah. that's that's something I do. It's not for everyone. It takes time. Well, that's why we ask you what you do. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm the most successful guy in the world, but I think also just playing for a long time, you eventually build intuition about certain guys who have been around a long time. It kind of builds in efficiencies there, and you spend more of your effort looking into guys who um, have 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 made more movement right. more like- recently. Yeah, the less you know about, the more you want to know about them, so you can have an opinion that you can at least give to yourself. I like that. Making your own argument. I know last year, me and Deary, remember, we started where I like loved Mitch Garver, and then I turned on Mitch Garver, <laughs> or was it the other way around? You 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 hated him, and then you turned on him. We we flip flop because I liked him initially, and then I hated him when we started the show in January, and by the time we got to April, like we flipped. I hated him. You loved him. Yeah. Right, exactly. And that's what you should do. You shouldn't just be stuck on a hill forever. Don't be some of these people that thinks, oh, my God, I said it out loud to the public. I'm forever screwed. I can never change my mind. Don't. I think it's important that you open your mind, expand your horizon. It's called growth, people. Get it. Come on. Jeez. We're also um, dealing with like 900 players. So like to Alex's point, like I, I can't research 900 guys. I have set opinions on probably a good 250 and then I'll find that other 200 that might be intriguing. I don't have enough time in a day to research every fucking guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Casey, right. there's a guy named Casey Cha who I think he's a high stakes poker player. He's the winningest national uh, NFBC player of all time. Wow. Um, he he's someone that Vlad, I think you guys want to know who Vlad Sedler is. He he's yeah, like a, uh, he's, he's going to be on the show next month. Stay tuned. Oh, nice. I love Vlad. He's one of the nicest people I can think of in the. He's in great. The he's one of the. He he's always very complimentary of me. He he's he 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 tells me about how smart I am. But he, no one no one has intuition like Vlad does. Like I think Vlad Vlad is plenty smart in his own right. He has like unparalleled fantasy baseball intuition and that's half the battle is like being able to make decisions on a fly, being able to have the gut, the roto gut, roto gut. certain guys or certain um like roster structure or just weekly decisions like just he's someone who is among the very best at doing that and he looks up to Casey Cha. Casey Cha uh, in, a, in an interview with Vlad, I think said that he basically narrows down his draft list to like 200 guys. He just can't expend the mental energy on more than like 200 guys. Um, so he 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 you know he whittles away the guys that he from just from sight unseen um, knows that they're too expensive at that price or just is not interested in them. Knows that there's no ceiling. Just again, there's there's some intuition there to whittling it down, and then spends the last 200. Figuring out if they're guys that he he wants to draft, or maybe they 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 are guys he wants to draft. He makes a list 
Um, and it just it just makes the decision making process simplified in a draft, especially right. if you have a one minute clock or whatever. You don't have time to consider every single option. No, you just have to. You just have to make it as easy on yourself as possible. Um, <laughs> See, Do you agree? Are unreal. That's she's true. More now, talking I, than I am, but that's just <laughs> she's stopping me. I, I was rambling, but she's she's stopping me at the right spot. It's just she knows you, you. You just you just don't have. We don't have infinite resources, and we don't have infinite mental mental stamina to to really evaluate every player you just kind of have to pick and pick your battles yeah well, well why do you do what you do then because you're pitching leaderboards and stuff why do you do that because you wanted to share it with other people or did it help you become a better player both both um it started as um it started as an experiment in trying to replicate something that baseball prospectus has which is a similar leaderboard that has very limited functionality and uses pitch effects data, which is like the predecessor of Statcast data. Mm-hmm. And so I basically wanted to do that. And I did it mostly for myself. Um, Rob Silver, who is the main event champion in 2016 for NFBC, he and I were walking down to home plate to grab a beer at First Pitch Arizona, which is um, Baseball HQ's uh, annual event. I think this was back in 2018. Um, and um, he was like, yeah, this is, um, this is game changing. Like he, he didn't mince words. He was like, this is a, an incredible idea that you have that you shouldn't share with anyone. And he was always adamant with me that I should not share it um, because it has so much information. Can you even hear me anymore? She's talking. Oh, so we hear much. you. Yeah, okay. we hear you loud and clear. Mwah. Mwah. And he's like, and, and he's, he's half joking, but he's also half not joking. Like you should not share this. Like, only share it with me. We will make millions kind of thing. Um, I shared it just because I was, like, I was proud of it. You know, I kind of wanted the validation. I also was, like, I I want to see if other people also think it's a good idea. Because I and, I, and I also wanted to see it permeate the lexicon of fantasy baseball analysis. Because before, I won't say before the pitch leader, but I don't want to claim, I don't want to take all the credit, but we had a hard time talking about how good certain pitches were. You know, there was no way for us to really know concretely how good this fastball was compared to other fastballs, or even just how good this fastball was compared to all of their pitches. We didn't really have a solid understanding of what's a good swinging strike rate for a slider or what's a good um, WOBA against for a changeup. We just didn't have any context for all of these different metrics and I was able to find a way to kind of pull that together. And I don't want to say that Statcast doesn't have that information, but it's just not, I don't look, I'm talking shit invariably, you know, kind of on, on accident here, but like, it's just not, there's a lot of information, but it's not the most user-friendly site. I, I, I think Statcast can be really hard and intimidating to use um, for, or baseball savant, I should say for people who are maybe just, seeing it for the first time or even not seeing it for the first time, seeing it for the 50th time. And I wanted to make it into like a format that looked kind of like fan graphs, which I think is like a little more accessible and, and familiar to people. So it was just a lot of different um, kind of moving pieces coming together. Um, but in terms of making it public, that was just, that was, you know, I, I won't deny that I was hoping for compliments 
Um, <laughs> but I also gave away my biggest edge. You know, I I, mm. I friggin' raked in um, 2018 using that. Um, I, I think my pitching analysis was probably the best that it ever was in 2018. Um, and I think I just had a really strong edge where other people didn't because I had more context. And now I've uh, I've completely erased that edge by giving it away. Um, but, you know, it's not the end-all be-all of pitching analysis either. It's just one tool. It's just that yeah. I'm trying to – now that it's public, I want to make it as useful to everyone as possible. Um, and so That's it's a, good. It's kind for of the betterment evolved. of us all. I, I love that. I think yeah, that's if, very if I'm remembered for anything, I wouldn't mind being remembered for the pitch leaderboard. That's fine. You know, it, they'll, they'll they won't remember that I was a bad fantasy player. They'll just remember the pitch leaderboard. Yeah, uh, there are much much worse things you could be remembered for. Uh, just ask Jared Porter. Okay, I mean, this is a very positive <laughs> well, thing to be remembered for. Yeah, so. that's uh, good lord, dude. Fucking scumbag. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> This I'm, so, I'm so amazed how everybody is just prepared to just give up all their secrets. Uh, maybe that's what our show is meant to do is just flow all everyone's secrets out into the fanosphere. <laughs> fanosphere. I like that. That's cool. But, you know, people are trying to help people. There, there is some truth to the fantasy baseball community being a little more open and still a lot of work to be done, obviously. But there is some more openness than there is with fantasy football community. And I've known this from talking to Vlad and other people, too, have told me that. So I think. We should give you a gold star. Alex, you're a gold star for you. Look at that. Uh, Real quick. Do mock drafts help? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, They can, they have a place. Okay. Uh, uh, Is there three stats when it comes to hitting that stand out to you over any other ones that you rely on? My process is ever evolving. So I'm going to say no, Um, there aren't three stats, but I will say that, like, I think people expect me to, when I evaluate a player, to, like, rely immediately on super fancy advanced shit. And really, like, my my analysis always starts from, like, the most basic building blocks. Did that guy have, like, a really low BABIP? Oh, my god! Or did he have a really high BABIP? Yeah. Was his high-ball ratio super low uh, compared to what it usually is? Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I will unashamedly look at that kind of stuff first and then kind of dig into everything else that they, cause I can, I can very quickly get an idea of where a guy's season went right or wrong. And if he was lucky or unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> based on, based on just those simple metrics. And I think that's a testament to really how powerful those things still are. You know, I think we look at those things and think like, wow, that's archaic. Like you're still looking at Babip. What a loser. <laughs> um, and that's like, that is still totally valid to use BABIP. You know, we we sometimes lose sight of the forest for the trees in looking at like exit velocities and launch angles. And it's like, dude, like I understand, like I understand that all that stuff is really interesting, but also like we would have known that he was lucky last year because just look at his BABIP. Like I, there were, there's a, I, there's a lot of instances like that for hitting and pitching every year that despite the stat cast stuff, you can just use quote kind of like more traditional advanced metrics and make perfectly valid and well-reasoned arguments for or against players from using like BABIP and, and, and FIP or whatever, you know, just, just kind of stuff that was pre stat cast. Like it's all still good. And I, I use it always first. It's just like the easiest way to, to get your foot 
you know, to I, get your foot I, I in the water, whatever you want to call yeah. it. I think it's whatever works for you. And more often than not, if you're a strong enough player and you're a good evaluator of talent, you're going to end up at the same conclusion as everybody else in the end. So, yeah, I respect you. You seem like someone who's willing to stand out on his own and be accountable and also say, you know, fuck everybody else. You know, I'm doing my thing here. But not that you don't just you're not a dismisser of other people either, but. No, if, if anything, it's, it's it's more it's more encompassing. It's like I I I think every metric has a place, you know. Yeah. No matter how simple. Sure. Um, and, and and it's not all about trying to have the most advanced stat cast metrics or by following the percentiles on someone's stat cast page, you know. Like there's 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 room for for every metric to be in any argument. Um, and, yeah. and to, for it to stand on its own and to, for it to tell, you know, every metric tells its own story in effect, and they're all telling different stories. So no story is better than another. It's just that they should all be supplementing or complementing one another somehow. There's really no, there's not a substitution effect. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a rounding out of your toolbox as opposed to replacing a hammer with a screwdriver. Do you have a favorite type of league you like to play in? Um, 12 team Roto. 12 team roto. Okay. You don't yeah. 15 team two catcher leagues. You love no, that? No, I suck shit at 15 team. I, um, and, and 10 team has become increasingly, I, I started playing 10 team and they have become harder for me now that Ooh. I've been playing 12 team. I think my sweet spot is really 12 team. Um, I haven't played a lot of 15 team. I just haven't had a lot of good experiences. Just I've, I've, I've <laughs> dealt with, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of injury. Um, and and you have less margin for error in 15 team league and and I I don't want to say it's luckier but you can definitely like get really fucked if you like you know if your second and third round picks um, get injured or one as Tommy John or whatever and that's 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 Russian roulette at a certain point and, um, and I you think could also benefit if you draft deeper well if you if draft well went deeper in those games in those yeah I think you can make an argument either way I just I just have, have struggled in 15 team in my limited exposure but 12 team has been um, has been fruitful for me yeah certainly. I got torched in TGFBI last year it was my first year doing it I didn't even know what NFBC was until last year so I learned a lot the hard <laughs> way I get it trust me a- Alex, are you, like, oh, this. Alex, are, you, are you strictly roto no, I, I have home, home home leagues where I, I do um, like head to head and or points. Um, Are you in barf I, I, or no? Sorry. Are you in barf? No. Or, oh, okay. I'm not in barf. Sure. I'm not yeah. in any of those earth leagues. <laughs> um, I prefer roto. I prefer well, roto outright. Um, it's just it's season long specifically. I just think there's a certain kind of like uh, stamina for it. You know, I think the head to head kind of caters more to like the fantasy football crowd. And that's not, I'm not league shaming. I think there's merit, there's merit to any league. I, I hate league shaming. Um, I hate, you know, anyone who says that like a, a, a league with batting average is inferior to a league with um, OPS or something that, you know, every, every league How has dare you? its merits. Um, but I, I'm all for Roto. I'm all for season long and I prefer it to be 12 team. It's just, it just seems where my sweet spot is. I read uh, some of your recent articles that you put out on the, the blast percentage and vertical approach angle. Wasn't it? Um, I still don't understand them fully, but I found them to be very, very interesting. I, I got to read them a third time so I can get a better grip on them, but well, I think they're interesting. They, I, I would like to think so. Um, blast is easy. Um, blast is just taking. Blast was easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's just taking barrels which are not created equal and 
dividing them basically into like unproductive barrels and productive barrels. And I just had to come up with a cool name. Um, all of my terminology before that was, was violence and war related because that's all I could think of was like bombs and missiles. And I was like, let's come on, Alex, you can do better than that. I came up with blasts. Um, that's a great term. I like it. Vertical approach angle actually comes back to the Blake Snell issue and basically, you know, boiling it down to its most simplest points Vertical approach angle is uh, the angle at which a baseball approaches home plate uh, vertically. Um, but you know, it's basically the angle that it's crossing the front threshold of front plate or of home plate. And what my finding was is that um, the steeper a pitch is, the better it performs down low, and the flatter a pitch is, the better it performs up high in the zone. And that's why you see sharp curveballs getting more swinging strikes down in the zone and you're seeing flat fastballs performing really well up in the zone. And this, I, I, I mentioned this a lot in the post, like it's so intuitive to like how we understand things uh, and to how we see pitchers approach the game. Like it really is just confirmation bias in terms of like <laughs> seeing what, we're, what people are already doing and confirming that as like a, an, a as a tenable approach. But Blake Snell has a, has a steep fastball, all things considered. It's not very flat. Um, it doesn't have that kind of rising effect. And you throw a fastball like that up in the zone, and those are the fastballs that are getting torched Shit. a lot. And that's why I'm thinking Blake Snell needs to be more of a low-in-the-zone kind of guy. That's where Zach Granke thrives. Zach Granke has a steep fastball. Steep, I mean, relatively. You know, just the, the angle that it approaches at is is relatively steep compared to other fastballs. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has a steep fastball. These guys live in the bottom of the zone, and they thrive. And they don't have secondaries like Blake Snell does. So Blake Snell could be, I think, if he had better command, he could be like Shane Bieber, who has a, a vulnerable fastball, who until 2020 did not spot it very, uh, I guess, adequately. It made him really vulnerable to hard contact. But in 2020, he just lived low in the zone. And he was getting called strikes for days. And then he was just burying his secondary stuff in the dirt and just fucking humiliating hitters and i think if blake snell had some of bieber's command and was able to replicate that kind of framework they basically have similar arsenals in terms of how filthy their secondary stuff is i think he could be really successful it's just the big if is the command and he doesn't really have command so um <sighs> That's that, it's just truth hurts yeah and it's just it's just like Right. I'm not a pitching coach. Uh, this is not like a proper diagnosis of what's good or bad about Blake Snell, but it just seems like him living up in the zone with this fastball will result in swinging strikes. But I think it's going to be um, uh, it's going to make his fastball also vulnerable too. <clears throat> wow. Dear, isn't that fascinating? I'm blown away. I absolutely love just the talk about Snell, Mike just kept shaking his head because he's like, "Oh shit, I've drafted him in several leagues." Hey, yeah. I, I like Snell. I like Snell. I just and I think his price right now is pretty good, and we've seen his ceiling. It's just like, you know, it, like you said, he's volatile. Is he going to make those? He's got he to have he just, adjustments. He just has to develop. If he's going to make those adjustments, is the command going to be there? Is he going to stay low, like you're saying? If if you can see this yourself, I mean, you're a smart guy, but like. There's other people in Major League Baseball who could be identifying what you're identifying and telling him, hey, dude, 
check this out. <laughs> you know, yeah. It might but be also, like, to your career. I feel like the Rays have been making like really sharp moves lately. So the fact that they got rid of him mm-hmm. seems telling almost in and of itself. But it's almost yeah. like they tried working with him on it, and he's like, "Fuck it." Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I really yeah. don't know. But I, I almost feel like you know, if if the trade off is him taking two ticks off of his fastball to improve the command on it and living lower in the zone. Um, maybe substituting some of that, those swinging strikes on his fastball for softer contact. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then just letting that play up his secondary stuff. Like, again, I'm not a pitching coach. I don't do pitch design <laughs> stuff. I'm just thinking like out loud, what, what could get him to that place? I feel like maybe letting off the gas a little bit on the fastball, maybe trying harder to command it in a way that makes everything uh, 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 kind of function better together. Cause right now it's just like the pieces, uh, uh, what is it? What is it? The, 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 the parts exceed the whole, that is the idiom I'm looking for is that the parts of his, his arsenal exceed the, the sum of the parts. Um, and we'd like to see the sum of the parts reflect um, all of those individual parts. <laughs> Okay. Alex, if you were my pitching coach in high school, I guarantee I would have pitched in college. Wow. Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't, yeah, know, if you could, I don't know if you could have taken a 75-mile-per-hour fastball and jumped it up to 90, though. <laughs> oh, shit. I got to tell you, that is some great analysis. We thank you, Alex. Uh, there's so many more things I want to ask you about your foundation, but we can't sit here all day and do this. I, I know, get- dude. I make all podcasts run long. No, 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 no. I mean, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. Nobody, <laughs> nobody likes you, and I don't know why we're talking to you, really. Um, no, you, you, it's it's out of pity. Frankly. It is. You <laughs> know, we're, we're only going to release the hap talk, so <laughs> right. <You're, laughs> this is the uh, thirteen-minute podcast with Alex Chamberlain. Yeah, it's the J Hap podcast with Alex Chamberlain. All right, real quick, these people gave out their tweets, so I wanted to read them to you. A uh, sure. question for you. Keuchel's 199 ERA, can it be attributed to the central-only schedule of 2020? And are you bearish on him for 2021? Wait, how did he do in 2020? Uh, 199 ERA and... uh, His ADP is 199? Oh, his ADP? I don't know what his ADP is. I got to look that up. But projection systems right now, in general, are uh, penciling him in for like a 450 ERA in 2021. Oh, projection systems are pretty i so like one of the the hills that i'll die on is projection systems are really bad with contact management guys and dallas oh. keiko's a contact management guy you know that's why uh granky hendrix um those guys always their their era is going to be um or their their projected era and even the era estimators are going to be higher hard. than what their actual eras are dallas keiko's always been a great contact management guy he lives low in the zone he has great uh, command. He doesn't have a lot of strikeouts, but he is one of the best at inducing ground balls, and that's a that's a legitimate skill. And I think um, the more that we have um, like Statcast data on these guys, the more that we can like really point quantitatively to the to this whole kind of approach being skills based. So um, 199 is obviously an outlier, but he right. um, you know he only has like one bad season, and that bad season is also the outlier. At this point, um, that's true. I, 2016. I, yeah, yeah. I'm buying everything else after and before that. I mean, it's it, he's been as consistent as anyone else, um, just outside of those kind of two blips. And I feel like this kind of makes up for 2016. If you want to think of, uh, you know, the pendulum swinging back and forth here, what are you doing to my? my <laughs> his ADP headphones? is 
195. ADP 195 Actually, right now. I will buy him at 195. Okay, there you go. Who else is around him there, Mike? What other pitchers are around him? Oh, well, uh, I was actually looking at this because uh, t- Andrew Haney was hanging around that area yeah. uh, in Keuchel. the recent draft. Keichel, Gonsolin, Keuchel. Zach Eflin, Keuchel. John Means, Andrew Haney. Uh, Keichel, Keichel. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, That's the strike, strike over all of them. There, but, uh, it, it's crazy. I'm looking at several different places, and the projections are anywhere from 3.85 ERA to 4.59, so it's all over the place. So I'm with Alex. Fuck the projections. Yeah, you I go mean, with, like, what, look, go with what you've seen. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, projections are great, but also like just use your common sense. Like, what <laughs> what has Keichel done the last seven, eight years? Yes. Not a 4.58 ERA, basically ever. Uh, <laughs> Never. You, to, you just can't take it all at face value. Like, there's just some blind spots and projections. Um, and for guys who th- those blind spots will be largest for guys who are farthest from the average in any kind of skilled metric. And for for guys who are the best at contact management, that's going to be Keuchel and Hendricks and Granke and just these guys who kind of buck the system. And there's Agreed. there's yeah. other ta- you know other skills where that is also applicable, like high BABIP guys who are seeing their BABIPs regress really strongly back to the mean in terms of hitting. You know, like there's just always going to be guys where if they're farther from the group, the projections will have a harder time pinning them down. That's just kind of yeah. how it goes. That was from you down with OBP Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Thanks for tweeting, guys. We appreciate it. How about this one? This is from. Dave Mendelson, who says, what's Strong Bad's max exit velocity? Oh, 146. Wow. There you yeah. go, Dave. Oh, How yeah. about that? Strong Bad would, I think if Strong Bad had to do a home run derby against Vlad Guerrero, he would hit probably two or three times more home runs than Vlad. <laughs> and that's, and I, and I say that, I say that completely sincerely. Strong Bad, Strong Bad is would probably be strong batter Pablo Sanchez, you know, like those are the, the two, probably the two best baseball players of all time. Um, and that, that's, that's pretty hard. Pablo is pretty amazing. Um, but that's I might have to even go strong bad there. <laughs> Davey Lou asked, uh, name some players that you like or dislike more than others, essentially putting you on a hill to die on alone. Is there any player right now? Can you think of one player that you like or dislike so much right now? I know you haven't done all your research yet, but so this might be a little premature. Who do I like or dislike more than anyone else? I'm trying to make out what she's saying, but I'm not getting it. She's got the answer. I, I Did don't she know. say John Means? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> John Christian Means. Javier? So. Who? Damn, this is tough. I really wish I had an answer for this because there's always, there's always someone every year. Like last year, the guy who I was out on was Altuve, and I was pretty vocal about that. And he bombed. Yeah, um, I but feel now like he's around 102 ADP. I'm kind of in on that. I feel like uh, you know I, I don't always have the best analysis, but I, I I do feel like every year I find one or two guys where the market is way in or way out, and I'm able to kind of spot those inefficiencies. And I oh I'll brag about them later, but I haven't found them yet. I want to say that I'm out on a Rosarena. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, what about Brady Singer? Awful. Brady Singer? I don't know anything about him. Okay. Uh, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by what I saw, but like I, I really need to, go need to, to look deeply at that and like 
really consider if that is uh, like a, a sustainable thing. And I, it's it's crazy to me. Like I can see so much of the small sample. Little girl, you're so <laughs> talkative. Um, I can see so much of the small sample bias happening this year. Like just looking at guys that I actually know a lot of things about and my my intuition you know that 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 intuition is kicking in i can just see that we're being swayed so strongly by a couple months of performance whereas we wouldn't think twice about april and may last year if it was followed by four months of something else so i'm just keeping that all in perspective um yeah yeah it's it's gonna be i think for for really good fantasy players um 2021 is they're gonna feast i think they're gonna just the sharks are going to go to town this year. And ah. gonna go, there's going to be a lot of fish this year. And right. I might be one Big of those dog. fish too, you know, but <laughs> it is what it is. The sharks That's know, right. the sharks know that they're sharks and the fish think that they're sharks and uh, then they get eaten alive. So, Hey, if you can't find the sucker, odds are it's you you. all right that's it that's enough of the questions and comments thank you so much alex chamberlain for joining us this has been a real pleasure i can't believe how many more things i still want to talk about but hey that leaves maybe down the road we'll talk no don't apologize dude we really enjoyed having you this has been a ton of fun and knowledgeable that's what we want entertainment and information i also wanted to tell you uh John from MLB Moving Averages is a huge fan of yours. So he oh. wanted me to tell you that oh, hey, man. Alex, I've been trying to contact him and I'm a huge fan. God, so I, I know, I, I knew it. That. I knew it. He's been he's DM'd me so many times, and I have like I have like 40 DMs that I haven't read, and I'm like Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I know. And I'm just like the more that they stack up, the more anxious I get about answering yeah. them. And I just need to like di- dive in there. But I see his pop back up to the top, and I'm like, I owe him. He actually is my I have um I made him a custom pitch leaderboard. He's oh. my he's my one private pitch leaderboard customer. <laughs> he definitely wants to get the ball rolling on his his 2021 research. And anyone okay. who's listening, if you want one for yourself, I you know I do commissions. Um, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know it takes time for me to put it together and to to update it every day. It's going to be more. Uh, more work than it was in 2020 because the season's gonna be long but yes i'm open in theory to commissions and and john was my first uh kind of like my first my guinea pig and uh he was he he only had night he always only has nice things to say yeah i think if i had fucked it up really bad he still would have only had nice things to say but he seemed to to rightly you know to enjoy it and i think it, it brought him uh at least some modicum of success last year he's a huge so. fan of yours and he wanted me to tell you that so hey john there oh, you go john. alex is not ignoring you he's just john i love you i will i swear i will answer at some point <laughs> i've just been clearly like this little girl is dominating my every waking moment these days so and i think john as much as anybody else would understand that. that's all right uh alex uh so people can find you on twitter uh tell people where they can find you if they want to you know contact you if it's sure. okay i don't want you to be overwhelmed though no, no, it's fine. No, I'm just an idiot. That's why. I mean, I, I should just answer things when they when they're sent to me, and I just don't. Um, uh, you can find me on Rotographs, which is the the fantasy section of Fangraphs, and um, and on Twitter you can find me at Dolph Haldhagen. Um, and what I usually say is, I'm not going to spell it for you. Um, if you find me, then you've earned it. So um, come find me. And then I also, I guess more recently, I made a Twitter account for the Pitch Leaderboard specifically. So that's pretty easy to find. I think you just just search Pitch Leaderboard. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, you also that, have an independent, yeah, the Twitter for your Pitch Leaderboards. Yeah, yeah so that just have, more has like the updates for that. So I don't have to stop spamming or I can stop, excuse me, spamming people on my main account. So um, uh, yeah, just kind of partitioning there. But um, 
Yeah, those are the only places. Thank you so much. I am uh, MJ Govier on Twitter, and you can find us at the Plausible Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. We're also on uh, Facebook, by the way, too. We hate Facebook, but we do have a page and a group if you want to check us out. We try to keep up on it a little bit, but I hate Facebook. I really do. Yeah. Oh, it's, no, it's awful, but whatever. It exists. And uh, you can email the show, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Deary, tell people where they can find you and what's going on. I think you released your first base rankings, didn't you? Yeah, I did. At Deary99, I also put a poll out there on whether Miggy's going to make it to 2,000 RBIs. Uh, right now, I think it's a no. I sided with no, but uh, I also want to take the time to thank Alex so much. It was an absolute blast hanging out with your daughter and yourself. Uh, we've learned so much. Uh, we hope you take care out there in Hawaii. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Sorry I, I talked so much. I can see the the list of all the questions that we didn't talk about but maybe one day maybe next time but it was it was a blast it was a lot of fun talking to you guys i I really appreciate you having me on it's an honor there it is alex chamberlain directly from the mouths of babes we're out of here we'll see you next week we'll well we'll probably see you later this week too we got more shows coming up we got big guests we got janet scurio we got open bar dudes from the open bar podcast more, 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 more. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield, Vlad Sedler, Derek Van Riper, Paul Sport. Yeah, we're going to town, man. And you're just one of the many, many faces who bring a lot of entertainment and knowledge to the show. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.